know that some in our audience know the finer points of hockey. The Chris Johnston Show. We are your friends. The biggest stories, bringing you inside the game. What did you hear? The Chris Johnston Show. Powered by Sports Interaction. Wanna bet? What is going on? Here's Chris with your host, Julian McKenzie. Part of the game. So as you all know, there is a CJ Show group chat. And earlier this morning, CJ... Uh, sent us a message, uh, everyone in the group chat. You know, what's the vibes? What's the vibe check like in the group chat? I, I imagine because the majority of the group chat consists of Leafs fans. There's a lot of nervous energy. People are on 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 their tippy toes, wondering. I just decided to post a GIF uh, from the classic movie Mean Girls with Regina George, where she sees everybody fighting in the hallway, and she just kind of stands with her arms folded. That's basically how I feel about. Um, Basically every series in the Stanley Cup playoffs so far, Siege. Yeah, I mean, look, it's it's, it's such an exciting time of year. Uh, there's a little more hope to be found in that group chat than I thought. We're recording this before game two of Leafs Lightning, and I have to say, Steve Dangle, uh, the boys, they, they seem like they're, they're they're feeling up after a tough opening night for the Leafs in the playoffs. So, you know, this is, this is the beauty, though, right? How are the fans feeling in Edmonton? How are they feeling... Maybe if you're a Panthers fan after game one, and then it looks a little different uh, once another game's played. So this is, we're riding the ups and downs right now in the playoffs. Uh, by the way, for those who are are watching and are wondering, yes, uh, CJ is at Scotiabank Arena in Toronto. This is, this basically sort of feels like one of those weird like sports center hits where like someone's in studio and they're talking to someone live on location. So we're taking in all the ambient sounds and, and sights uh, right behind you, Siege. Yeah, you could probably hear the music. They're doing the, the check here before the game. There's not much I can do about that. But uh, I'm going to view it like my walk-up music in baseball. You know, I'm just going to try to groove out as it comes and goes. What, what would be your walk-up song in baseball? Ooh, maybe something for the Tragically Hip. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I, yeah, I go, I go old, either that, old school or, or T-Swift, as you know. I'd be going something new. Maybe I'd be anti-hero or something, you know? Yeah, that's true. Like you could like walk up, just walking up, and you hear it's me. Hi, I'm the problem. It's me. It's me. Hi, I'm like the number nine hitter. Like it's like (laughs) that'd actually be pretty hilarious. That'd be pretty funny. And like, look, baseball, softball, slow pitch, whatever you call it, just put it in play. You look like a guy who would put it in play. Yeah. Well, when I played a little bit of baseball, I was I was like a good walk and single guy. I had a, I had a small strike zone, not being the tallest guy on earth. So my my on base percentage is pretty good, but I was not hitting for power. Okay, that's fair. Um, there is a future episode to do where we discuss your baseball career, but uh, all the people uh, hear about your <laughs> not even <laughs> that that would be like a ten second episode. There's not much to discuss or to go over. That's fair. That's fair. Okay, let's talk about. Uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs and the fact that they are down as of this recording, uh, one nothing in their series against Tampa Bay. Uh, we all know how game one went for them. Not a good performance by any stretch of the means. Uh, whether you look at, you know, just the goals allowed, the coaching, we could dive into that as much as we want, but we should start off with the fact that Michael Bunting is suspended for three games uh, as a result of the hit to the head uh, to Aaron Chernak. And then we could also get to Tampa two in their situation. Uh, but we should start with Bunting. What were your thoughts on the hit? What were your thoughts on Bunting's play? Let's get it started with this discussion. No-brainer suspension for me. I mean, you 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 go down the list. The, the puck isn't anywhere near there. The the opponent doesn't really see him coming, and he clearly elevates and and delivers a check to the head. And unfortunately, in this case, Eric Chernak uh, is is injured. He's not going to play in game two, and who knows when we see him? I would imagine 
he's in some sort of uh, concussion type of, of protocol. And so because of all those factors, I think that the league felt it needed to come down pretty hard here. You know, three playoff games is a big suspension. Uh, you know, I don't know if it's, it's true. It's always said that a, a playoff game sort of like two regular season games. And look at this season. We didn't see anything longer in three regular season games uh, in terms of a suspension from the Department of Player Safety. In this case, Michael Bunting has no prior history. You know, might have a little bit of history of uh, back and forth with the referees on the ice, but has no history with the supplemental discipline department. So this is a, a big, um, you know, loss for the Leafs. And I'm sure it's a tough spot for Michael Bunting himself to be in uh, with so much riding on the series. He's a pending unrestricted free agent. He's you know, been clearly wanting to make an impact in a positive way for his team. And now he, he's not going to be back before game five at the earliest. But, you know, it's it was two infractions, interference, and an illegal check to the head. And there's an injury to Chernak. And so I think really when the Department of Player Safety went through the hearing and, and looked at it and deliberated, I think it was an easy decision for them. I'm still a bit surprised that it got to three games. Like I figured one or two uh, would probably be the the right punishment, but it kind of feels as if uh, they added that extra game as just a way, the Department of Player Safety, I mean, as their way of kind of laying down the law and just saying, hey, well, you know what? We've seen this guy act the way that he acts and even if he doesn't have a prior history like this is the way that we're going to draw this line with him I, that's how i feel about it i know other people would like to make the comparison that those three games is like the equivalent of six regular season games essentially uh, but yeah I, I i don't know if i agree with the length of it definitely he should be suspended three games i was a little bit surprised about yeah steve dangle was calling this a toronto tax to me I, you know i don't know if that's i don't know if that's i accurate. mean I certainly don't think anyone has it out for Toronto. Certainly the one thing no. that is, is you can't dispute though, when a big event happens in a game involving the Leafs, there's more discussion. There's more eyeballs. It gets shared more on Twitter, but you know, that doesn't mean that anyone is actually, I mean, look, if you're, if you're looking at this from the lightning standpoint, Chernak is one of their best defensive defensemen, you know, logs major minutes for them on the penalty kill. He's literally doing nothing wrong in this play. He's going towards the corner, anticipating the puck coming there. And he gets laid right out. He was down on the ice for a long, long time, Julian. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, as we're not going to get a real diagnosis or explanation of his condition, just given the time of year it is. But clearly, it's it's sort of a scary situation. A big man like that who is known to be very physical is in some duress on the ice after that play. I mean, you can't have players going around injuring unsuspecting opponents and and not have some sort of penalty. And so I think maybe if if we have a a quibble here with the department of player safety. We might say, why don't you give out longer suspensions more often for other dangerous hits? Because this is certainly not the only dangerous hit or play we've seen in these playoffs, but I, I have trouble. I have trouble being too hard on this specific one, because I, I think that it, there's no, there's no hockey in that play, right? It's not a case where That's he was fair. trying, like, it's not yeah. like it was a legal hit that just goes a little long or like wrong, or is a little bit late. Like in a, it, it, you know, it's, it's a, just, it's a bad hit. The Leafs expected him to be suspended. I mean, they, they had him before any rulings were made, they had him in an extras Jersey at practice. Um, so, you know, two, three games, I, I'm not sure if it makes, it makes a difference to Michael Bunting. Those are big games. You play a whole year to just get in any playoff games and then to lose three of them. And now the team's got to find a, their way forward without him. He was playing on their top line when that, uh, when that, that incident happened. Last thing before I, I shift the focus to Tampa, because you mentioned Eric Chernak being injured, and there's a lot of questions we have to ask with regards to injuries for them. But what do you think of people who see the Michael Bunting suspension and people try to spin it as like a positive thing for the Leafs because 
he could be a liability with the way that he plays. I, I mean, look, fans can say what they want. I, I don't think that that's, I don't think that's how the Leafs view it. Uh, I'll put it that way. I don't think the coaching staff mm-hmm. is too enthused to lose this player. I mean, look, as I mentioned, he was playing with Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner. Like that's how the Leafs started the playoffs. They have lots of depth. Sheldon Keefe had lots of decisions and, and different looks he could have rolled out. And that's what he chose. I mean, that, that tells you right there what the Leafs think of the player. And even this year wasn't, didn't go as, as well as last season did for him in Toronto. I mean, he's still, you know, put up some points. He's, he's an agitator. He was under the skin. You know, what will be lost in this whole thing? And perhaps rightfully so. I thought Michael Bunting played pretty well through, you know, a period and a half before throwing that hit. He, he was certainly not one of the, the guys, um, you know, on the home side that I had circled as was a disappointment or wasn't bringing it in a big game. I thought that, that he had some nice moments prior to that. And you're right. There, there's a question because he does take so many minor penalties typically. He's not known for this type of play. He's not like he's getting a bunch of majors and throwing dangerous hits as a general rule. Um, you know, but there might be a little bit of question for some about, you know, how, how trusted he could be. You know, Sheldon Keith already answered that three, three days before games, before he could even be back in the lineup. He said, I know him as well as anyone. And I got no trust issues there. So, you know, look, I, I understand the conversation from the fan base. A lot of those fans probably want to see Matthew Nyes in, in there. He's, you know, he's the new toy. He's, he's a young player. It's, it's a total unknown type of situation, but the Leafs themselves are not happy with this news. I can imagine with that. I mean, good for Matthew Nice. He'll likely get his playoff debut. It's not always easy for a kid who barely even practiced uh, or at all uh, at, with Toronto at Scotiabank Arena. And congratulations, your very first playoff, your very first game as a member of the Maple Leafs will be in the playoffs. Like that's like I hope people show some grace with with Matthew Nice. Like this is a very interesting situation for him. Well, it's it's pressure free though. I'll say that. I, I don't think anyone is viewing him. For all the talk about every, you know, the excitement about it, no one's viewing him as a savior here. It's more just about seeing what he can do. He's starting on a third line. I would expect his minutes will, will probably be minimal, although, you know, we'll see how the game plays out. Sometimes there, there could be other injuries. Like, who knows? Like, this playoffs, crazy things happen. Um, but, you know, he's a big guy. And, and I think what you're looking for if you're watching him is, can he get in on the forecheck a bit? Can he be physical? Can he, can he control the puck down low in the offensive zone? If he does those things, anything else is a bonus. You know, he, you just want him in there using his body and, and getting comfortable in this environment. And, you know, there's nothing to say to me that he can't, um, you know, make an impact. Like his, his former University of Minnesota teammate, Brock Faber, is playing for the Wild, right? He made a huge play in game one of their series when, when they yeah. won the opener in Dallas. And, and, you know, he's the same situation as Nice. He was playing in the NCAA two weeks ago. I mean, I, I think that that these these players, as long as – everyone has the, the expectations, right. Can, can make a difference, can make an impact. And, you know, nice has a huge opportunity. Now it's not just that he's getting one game. It's that the Leafs have to figure out something to do for the next two beyond it. And so there's very much a roster spot there for him as long as he can hold his own and keep his composure. Okay. Let's get to Tampa because Eric Chernak hurt, not going to play game two. Uh, it doesn't look as if Mikey Asimont uh, is going to be available for them as well. I believe Ian Cole is also not available for them. And Victor Hedman is a game-time decision as of right now, ahead of Game 2. Like, the Tampa Bay Lightning, as they, we already knew heading in that, uh, you know, not necessarily 100%, whether it's because of their health, whether it's because of other stuff going on. But with all of that from Game 1 leading into Game 2, it looks it could look a little dicey for the Tampa Bay Lightning. Well, it does on paper, right? I mean, there's no way around that. This is a team that also lost Ryan McDonough last year in the offseason. He he was always a key shutdown type of player for them in these moments. 
you know, obviously Chernak plays those type of minutes. Hedman may or may not play. I can tell you from having him watched him, you know, 90 minutes ago on the ice behind me, he did not look like himself. If he plays, he's certainly not anywhere near hundred percent. And so this is, you know, their depth has already been weakened at the position and, and it's being tested with losing a couple other guys to injuries, but it's also the Tampa Bay lightning. Like they, they won a first Stanley cup with Steven Stamkos playing five shifts in the bubble in 2020 he scored a big goal in one of them in the cup final against Dallas. But you know, they, they won a cup without him last year. They lost Braden point in game seven, actually right here in this ice service and, and basically was, was done for the playoffs. I know he got back in briefly, but, but clearly wasn't himself wasn't available to them for most of the cup final. They, they still got the game six of the Stanley cup final. I mean, they've, they've, they've got through not having top players in the past they definitely have a formula for how they, they perform in the playoffs. And it's, it's a team-based one. Um, you know, obviously those individuals all have big moments and have helped carry them to the success they have, but you know, I'm certainly not going to pronounce this thing decidedly going back in Toronto's favor just because they are down those players. But at the same time, you can't ignore it. I mean, this is, these are guys that log big minutes for them that are part of the aura of the lightning, right? The way that they, 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 they play defensively. I mean, the, the, the team that beat Toronto last year had, McDonough, Hedman, Chernak, Sergachev all in the top four. The only one left right now, at least the only one at 100% is Sergachev. And so there's an opportunity for the Leafs if they can seize it to, to actually, I think, put pressure on some of the inexperience or, or the, maybe the lack of foot speed that's now back there on, on the, the Lightning Blue Line. Which now, if you're Tampa Bay, you're looking at your healthy forwards and guys like Nikita Kucherov and Braden Point and Steven Stamkos, and Anthony Sorelli. Like, this is what's insane about this team, right? Like, yeah, like, at the back, like, that's a really big problem that they have all of those injuries. I mean, they still have weapons on the offense. We didn't even mention the fact that Tanner Janot should be making uh, a return to the lineup for game two. And uh, the big cat in the goal, Andre Vasilevsky, he's still that dude. This Tampa team, just in terms of the depth they have up and down the lineup, is just crazy insane. Yeah. And they got, they have the mentality. Like they have a, they do have a swagger. They have, they have a je ne sais quoi, Julian. There's something there that <laughs> I have not experienced too much in, in my time. You know, I've been around the league a long time and I've covered the, the great, you know, teams in Chicago and Pittsburgh and, and LA, you know, there, there might still be something different about Tampa, even from those groups. And those groups all had hall of famers and obviously to win multiple cups as they all did is a special achievement, but Tampa's been to four finals. They've been to three in a row. Even beyond that, they were in a couple of game sevens of the Eastern conference final. They lost. I mean, they have been knocking at the door every single year and every single year. I think we can come up for reasons and including this one. Look, I picked the Leafs in this series. I'm already having doubts after one game uh, because I, I still, I wow. feel that, you know, I put the most recent sample from the lightning in terms of them struggling in the regular season over that pedigree, I just thought it was a sign, you know, the lights were about to go out maybe, or that they just didn't have something. And then all of a sudden puck drops. It's like Corey Perry, just drinking from the fountain of youth scores 80 seconds into the game. I mean, those guys, that's the hilarious thing. Like we, we talked with their stars, the fourth line of Tampa, like had their way with the Leafs in the first game. I mean, it's just, and those guys are all old, man. Like they're literally my age, uh, hanging out here in the NHL still. So, you know, and, it's it's uh they, they've built quite something in in tampa and, and to me just being around them these last few days it's clear they don't want to let it go easily they're gonna they're gonna fight for whatever they got left and you know it's up to the leafs to raise their level that they they definitely didn't do that individually or as a team in game one this is going to be a fun series and i still think it's going to go to the distance i'm i'm saying toronto wins game two i think they take advantage of 
the lightning being hurt and at the very least for the lightning they can always go back home with games three and four at home knowing that they at least got a split in the series but if they go up 2-0 like that is going to be a problem for the toronto maple leafs the tampa bay lightning as a franchise have never lost a series they led to nothing ever ever and and the other thing too the last two years when the leaf season ended you know brendan shannon their president came and did press conferences he talked both years about the lack of killer instinct i mean if you're the leafs you have to have some killer instinct going into a game like this with those injuries and just on top of the fact that that you you had such a a dud performance in game one i mean this is I don't want to go too far because you have to win four out of seven and you can still win four out of seven if the Leafs lose game two, but this is as close to a must win as you're going to get for a team. And I think maybe more less than must win, but must like really show up, like must play your asses off, must show us something, must elevate, must get involved physically, must really make this a game because they they just punted game one. Like it just completely wasted. You know, it's, it's not just sometimes you play well and lose. In fact, I thought that was what was great about Toronto series last year from an organizational standpoint is I really felt they played hard in those games and they fought back at times when they got behind. Like, like I, I didn't have as much quibble with the sort of effort and where they were at. And then game one, it's not, I, I doubt it's effort. It's, it's, it's really more focus and, and, you know, playing fearless and, and all those types of things. I think there was just a little bit of indecision there. They sat back on their heels and my goodness, they got disconnected pretty quickly. Okay. Last thing. And then we got to go to DB. Hmm just want to focus on one particular thing there when you say must show us something like that's sheldon keith obviously just thinking okay you know you're putting your guys out there to put yourself in a position where you know they can go out there and win game one and battle hard and show effort sheldon keith needs to coach a better job in game two he can't escape any blame from game one how do you go through the opening of a series like that where you put out you what your third and your fourth line or whatever lines you put out but you don't see uh, Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner, and you're already down. Like that's that's a big strike on 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 Sheldon Keith. I'm with you on the fact that like, hey, the players need to step up. But I think if there's one person in that building who deserves to have all the pressure thrown on them, I think it's Sheldon Keith. It's all them, man. It's Samsonov. It's Matthews. It's Marner. It's Keith. I'm with you. Like it's those guys are probably the most important guys heading into this this game, um, at least from my view. Because you're, you know, you can play well and your goalie can cost you. I, you know, I think that there's a lot that the top guys have to do. And then Keith has to, to, you know, find some answers too. I mean, how he, what he's done behind the scenes to get them regrouped is important after the, the manner in which they lost uh, the opener of the series. And I got to say, the best thing he might do, honestly, is almost not line matched altogether. The best thing he might do is go, hey, I have a team down the middle that goes right now, Matthews, Tavares, Ryan O'Reilly. And we just gave up a first round pick plus to get Ryan O'Reilly here. Like, why not just enjoy the fact that you have really strong depth down the middle? Uh, you're, you're playing at home, so obviously he still gets some control, maybe the defensive matchups, but maybe the best thing he can do is roll his forward lines and let those guys get involved and, and get comfortable and, and take over the game. Okay, we have exhausted as much as we can out of uh, anything we could talk about with regards to the Leafs and the Lightning. We have to touch off on some other series as well. But first, let's get to David Bastel, and you can bet that. You can bet that with David Bastel. Brought to you by Sports Interaction. Get in the action and make a play. 19 plus. Please play responsibly. Welcome to You Can Bet That, uh, another playoff edition of this great segment. David Bastel is with us. 
Uh, don't forget to hit up uh, sportsinteraction.com slash SDPN for all of your gaming needs. Let's look ahead to game three of the Los Angeles Kings Edmonton Oilers series DB. Uh, that's looking really interesting so far. The Kings getting yeah. game one, the Oilers jumping up to game three. What do you think that's going to look like? You know what? It was kind of funny, Julian. So, you know, we're going back and forth texting and I'm thinking, OK, well, let's let's look ahead to this Oilers series because it goes to L.A. And, and I thought the odds would change, CJ. But you know what? Lo and behold, the Oilers are still favorites on the road against a team where I look at, you know, throughout every single stat kind of even. So I thought, you know, a home ice. Oh, it would lean to the Kings. But I present to this to you. Um a little bit of value on the LA Kings at a 228 just to win the game. The Oilers paying 164. What's your thoughts on that? Wow. Where's the love for the Kings? I mean, I know, I know. <laughs> look, I mean, we, we all, I picked Edmonton to go to the cup final. So you know what I think is going to happen, but you know, LA going home. I, I also think a playoff series doesn't really start until both teams have played at home because it gives the, 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 the opposing coach a chance to, to switch up some matchups you know, the Kings are so good defensively. I think that that could be a big factor as they go back to play a game in, in Los Angeles. And, you know, there's big pressure on the Oilers. They delivered a, a nice win in game two. But, man, this is – I'm with you. I think this is going to be a very close series. And I would I would tend to think the Kings on home ice would maybe be getting a bit more respect. Yeah, yeah I think so. Uh, it looks as if the winner of that series – maybe it's too soon to tell. Maybe the winner of that series ends up going to the Stanley Cup final. I know the Oilers are getting a lot of love. Whoa, what about the, the Jets? LA Thank you, CJ. <laughs> you beat me to it. You beat me to it. You get a straight, straight bullets at the Jets here. What's going on? <laughs> all, all that. All I said that what I said. Canada hate right now. I, I usually don't get that. The, the, the Oilers, they're very good. But no, you're right. The Jets deserve some respect too. And I'm sure there are fans of Minnesota and Dallas who are like, hey, the series is not over yet. But uh, definitely uh, in agreement with you both uh, that uh, the Kings and the Oilers should be going the distance uh don't forget to check out sportsinteraction.com slash sdpn for all the best odds before game in game best props sportsinteraction.com slash sdpn uh go jets love you guys <laughs> <laughs> peace db this episode of the chris johnston show is brought to you by athletic greens i take ag1 by athletic greens every day for the sake of better gut health sustained energy and my immune system will be better also, the, the pills and the vitamins, man, just taking them all the time. It does just kind of add up after a while. So I'd much rather uh, take this great uh, AG1 from Athletic Greens uh, with all these different vitamins and neutrals, 75 high-quality ingredients that give me daily nutrients and long-term gut health support. Uh, it's a microhabit that, de that delivers macro benefits and helps almost everybody take care of their health every single day. And if a comprehensive solution is what you need from your supplement routine, Athletic Greens is giving you a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. Go to athleticgreens.com slash Johnston. That's athleticgreens.com slash Johnston and get yourself a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. So it seems like there's always something new and exciting going on at the SDPN. Have you seen our brand new website? SDPN.ca has got a new look and tons of great new content. We've got the SDP, CJ Show, that's us, uh, Noxie and Cax, the Objective Basketball Podcast, Nailing the Apex, Agent Provocateur, 
game over. The list goes on and on. And you can catch up on all of our latest shows at the brand new sdpn.ca. Plus, we've got news and special features from across the world of sports. It's an awesome website. Add it to your bookmarks. Call your friends. Tell your family, including your grandma. She would really appreciate it. One more time for the people in the back, sdpn.ca. CJ, if you're having doubts about your 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 prediction for the Leaf series, how are you feeling about the Edmonton Oilers and your Stanley Cup final pick? I'm still feeling pretty good, I have to say, because they, they, they did deliver what I was talking about the Leafs needing to do in game two. They got a team victory, which I think is nice for them. I think they are more of a team in a lot of ways this year. You, know, you don't ignore the the gaudy point and goal goal totals that McDavid and Drysaddle put up. You know, also Ryan Nugent Hopkins, Zach Hyman had a big year too. But you know, I, I still think that they they are more of a complete unit. And you know, they they coughed up game one. Let's call it as it is. They had a lead and and they're on home ice and should have won, but they didn't let it paralyze them. They didn't let it keep them from from going out there and winning game two. So I'm I'm feeling pretty good. I didn't think this was going to be an easy series, man. Like I, I respect the Kings and, and they're, if there's one thing they do well is play defense. And you look at the regular season, Connor McDavid only got three of his 150 plus points against Los Angeles in the regular season. He's only got what? I think you're saying one assist through two games of the one playoffs. Assist I mean, two games. Yes. They have a recipe there because of how they play. They're such a good team defensively. And so, you know, they got a goaltender at the deadline. That's, that's looked pretty good with them in Corpus Allo and, I think it's going to be a difficult series, but ultimately I think Edmonton's quality and class is going to have them win out. But the fact that the Kings were able to get that game one win the way that they did, just continuing to fight and, and battling back. I have to admit, like I I had a long day because it was the Monday and, and Brad for living and all that kind of happened. I fell asleep when it was 3-1. And then I woke up and I was trying to watch what I thought was was left of the game in overtime and on Sportsnet now and for whatever reason, the app wasn't working. And then I realized, oh, my God, the Kings came back and won that game. I, I couldn't believe it. But now, you know, like I, I have this weird feeling. I know I kind of mentioned it in, in the You Could Bet That segment. But like this Kings team is so good. And because they're so good defensively, like putting the cart before the horse completely here. If they get out of the series against uh, the Edmonton Oilers. Like I, I have to favor them against the, the Jets or, or the Golden Knights. Like they, they have what it takes. Like they, this is not a team to take lightly at all. They look better than they did last year, and they were good last year. Yeah, I, I certainly don't take them lightly. Uh, I'm with you. I think a lot needs to go their way for them to go on a run to the Cup final. But that's actually the benefit right there of winning the first round, right? Like the boost you get because first of all, all of a sudden the 16 team bracket goes down eight. You're losing good teams in that eight. Like like. There might be an upset. We'll wait and see. It's so early. I, you know, I'm not going to make any any further prediction to the predictions I already made at the start of the, the playoffs. But all I'm saying is that you know we're, we might see a really good team or two or three go down here, and I think all of a sudden the belief gets into you, like okay, we can do this. Like it's it's getting more manageable. And I'm with you. I, I would, I think LA would would stack up pretty well against either Winnipeg or Vegas. Not going to be an easy series in either case. You know, then we see like what are they getting on the other end of that? Is it Colorado? Is it Dallas? Is it Maybe Seattle goes on a run. I mean, I, I shouldn't sleep on the Kraken after they won on, on their opening game. So, um, yeah, it's it's right there for any of these teams that can get through. It's it's such a crazy battle of attrition, I think, to stick with it and, and to, to eliminate all those teams um, because every team feels good entering the second round. Every team's coming off a big win. 
Um, but yeah, LA has what it takes. And I think that, that they they're healthier than last year. Some of the younger players have experience of last year. And then let's not sleep on having Dano and Kopitar. I think both those players, Kopitar is on my Selkie ballot. So, you know, yeah, I didn't have him in first spot, but he was one of the five best defensive forwards in the regular season in my estimation, even at his age. So, um, you know, they, 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 they've they're on the they've like guys at Kopitar Dowdy have hung along round long enough that they're on the upswing now and they're going to be I think the Kings are going to be good for for the no, next number of years how comfortable do you normally feel about mentioning players who are on your ballot because Kopitar's on my ballot too for Selkie well I mean we're not supposed to just put out the lists out there because you know people do gamble on this sort of stuff I think if and mm-hmm. there, there could be a critical number if we all just literally published our ballots Right now, you could probably figure out with some degree of certainty about, um, you know, who's going to win. But, you know, I could share the odd tidbit. I mean, it, I took the time to do the work. I feel okay putting my name to that. But I'm not going to go through each each award right now. We can do that later if, if there's interest. But, um, yeah, so that, that's kind of where I'm at at that. I don't, I don't mind telling you that Connor McDavid was on my heart ballot either. I mean... If he wasn't, we'd have a lot of questions. Also, uh, beautiful light changing in the background. Uh, it's like really nice behind you. Little mood lighting. I feel like I'm in the club here at uh, Club Scotiabank Arena <laughs> on a Thursday <laughs> afternoon. <laughs> okay. We're he- Gotta <laughs> 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 have fun here on the CJ show. Um, anything else you want to add about Edmonton before I discuss uh, the Minnesota Wild Dallas series? No, I mean, I think they're in a good spot. Big win in game two. It's just crazy. Like you have that regular season, you lose one game and the pressure's there, but they, they, they push that pressure aside. So I think, I think the others are in a good spot. I think that, that them having that playoff run last year removes a little bit of doubt that might be there, right? That's, that's the, the challenge for a team like the Leafs is you can't deny the doubt because you haven't, you haven't pushed the door down yet. Edmonton did that last spring. Exactly. Uh, Minnesota and Dallas. That series is tied at one. I'm still confused about something. So game two, it goes Dallas's way, but they get all of those goals past Marc-Andre Fleury, who did not start game one of that series for Minnesota. Philip Gustafson did and played all the way through double overtime. I was trying to listen to, to ESPN's coverage on that series, and P.K. Subban was trying to make the point that, you know, hey, maybe Philip Gustafson was just a little tired after game one, and maybe they opt to go with Marc-Andre Fleury. And look, Marc-Andre Fleury, future Hall of Fame goaltender, I get it. But if Philip Gustafson has done enough for you to win that game one, my initial thinking is, okay, you go with what works for game two. Why would they go with another goalie for game two? I'm still a bit confused with that decision. Well, the 100 percenters here on the CJ show will remember we had a discussion about this. It's, It's going back maybe a month or two where I was saying I thought we were heading towards a world where some teams would play goaltenders, make those switches, not based on just performance or what happened in one game, but you know, trying to spread the love. And that's what Minnesota did. In this case, it didn't work out. <laughs> uh, obviously, you know, with seven goals by Fleury, I saw he had, you know, some pretty strong critique of his own play, as you would expect the stand-up veteran stand-up guy that he is was not happy with that. But it sort of disincentivizes even thinking about doing it now if you're Dean Evanson moving forward. Um, you know, Gustafson is much younger than Marc-Andre Fleury. This season, he's performed better. And he delivered a hell of a performance in game one to get you a win in double overtime. I, I understand some concerns about fatigue, uh, that teams want to do this sort of thing. But, you know, 
this doesn't help the case to do it. I mean, if they had a, went and won a game with a healthy Marc-Andre Fleury, then you're off and running. And, and remember, Julian, down the stretch, they, they alternated these guys for 14 or 15 games in the regular season. So it's not unusual for the Wild to do this. It's, it's a normal preparation for their goaltenders. I don't think it's the worst thing in the world in the regular season, especially because you, know, you see guys that play 60 games in the regular season, they're not winning the Stanley Cup too much in the last 10 years. I think there might only be one or two examples and, and might even be longer than that. I mean, basically you got to manage the workload of your goaltenders through the year, but I think ideally you get to the, you get to the playoffs and you want to mostly be riding one hot hand. And it looks to me like Gustafson's going to be that guy. Yeah. It just, I mean, I, I understand. I remember the conversation about the, the, the having a tandem in, in, in net. It's just, I don't know. I just, maybe it's just being superstitious or just trying to ride that hot hand or I don't know if Minnesota's just thinking, well, we need to find ways to get Marc-Andre Fleury in this series, but I don't know. I thought it was weird even before Dallas started piling on all of those goals. It's just, I don't know. But at the same time, there's a reason why I'm in my office and I'm not coaching an NHL team. Like, I, I don't have, well, I'm not going to act like a better, but like, I, I just think it's still a weird decision. Call it like it is. It's unusual. It like, is. It's not normal. It, look, even Florida, they've been going with Alex Lyon down the stretch. They brought him back in game two against Boston after losing game one. I mean, they even stuck with their guy. And in this case, you're coming off a win. Gustafson was fantastic in the regular season too. Like he had really a breakthrough year. I mean, looks like a, a really tough trade for Ottawa that they, they, they gave this kid up for, for camp Talbot just cause you know, Talbot didn't work in that one year he was there. And I mean, this is the nature of making a trade. Sometimes those things happen, but um, yeah, I, I, I'm not going out on a limb to say that Gustafson will be in for game three. And assuming he's healthy, I think we'll see him in game four, too. Let's transition over to uh, Alex Lyon and the Panthers. Here's the big difference with the Panthers sticking by Alex Lyon. I think Alex Lyon was the best player for the Florida Panthers in game one. And he, for a good chunk of that game, he was making some incredible saves. And there is the potential for Alex Lyon to be this year's Jake Ottinger. And you could throw out any other goalie who's had himself a great postseason before that. Jake Ottinger is the most recent example Maybe the Panthers only lost a round, but I think Alex Lyon, through the two games we have seen him play, has made quite the impression. The difference is, though, Jake Ottinger is a first-round draft pick. He's six foot three. Uh, like he projected to be a star. Um, with respect to Alex Lyon, you know he's undrafted. He, he signs as a college free agent. He played a few games in Philadelphia and I believe Carolina before getting to Florida, but most of his times been in the American Hockey League. And he's what age thirty. I mean, this is, it's a great story and I'm not going to sit here to take anything away from him, but you know, I think with Ottinger, you expected him to get to that level at some point. I know certainly the Dallas stars did. Uh, I am not sure that Florida, again, with respect to Alex Lyon ever dreamed they'd be playing on this many games in the regular season, let alone that he's starting their first two playoff games and winning one in Boston against a team, frankly, in the Bruins just has not lost many games at all in any building, but especially at TD garden where they've been excellent. So, I mean, full, we're, we're dealing with a true, rags to riches type story here. I don't know how long it'll last. I think that the player deserves a ton of credit. Does Alex Lyon, it, oddly enough, his, his streak started here with a game in, in Toronto uh, that I was at. I remember that morning skate, a few reporters looked at the locker to like Alex Lyon, like the, you know, the probably the Toronto based guys didn't realize he was up. One of the reporters even said to him like, Oh, have you been up in the NHL long? Like, like no one, <laughs> you know, I don't think, and I should be clear. I don't think he would take offense to that. It just wasn't what you expected. That was a pretty much a must win game. And they threw line in. He, he won it. And then he won a handful of others after it. And so, 
this is uh I'm with you. He's I mean he's 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 playing for future seasons, man. Like if he handles this, like whether it's Florida or somewhere else, he's he's maybe got a spot where he's coming to an NHL training camp next year as an idea that he's one of the two NHL goalies. Like he's barely ever had that. He's basically been a number three guy who who gets games when there's injuries or other situations that that occur. Um, you know, but he signed in Florida. You know, he's playing behind Spencer Knight at the time and Sergey Bobrovsky. Like when he showed up at training camp, he he was thinking number three at best. And and here he is as their number one at this time of year. I mean, it's if anything, it brings you back to Jordan Binnington from the year he won in St. Louis, 2019. He was like their fifth goaltender to start that year. Um, but you know, they went and won the Stanley Cup. Let's I I'll I'll calm the comparisons until we see how long this Panthers run goes. Um if my math is correct, uh, the Florida Panthers, including playoff games, are 7-2-1 and one since Keith Kachuk called them soft. And to that point where you mentioned the game being in Toronto, that was the very first game after Keith Kachuk went on radio and said what he said. Well, he was on Toronto radio for that reason because the Panthers were playing that night. It was on TSN 1050 here. I mean, and look, I love, I love what we're seeing from Matthew Kachuk. Also on my heart trophy yes. ballot. I'm, I'm willing to share on that little too. nugget. Absolutely, uh, but, on mine as but well. man, he's uh, he, talk about a guy built for the playoffs. I know he, he maybe was a bit underwhelming into some in his time in Calgary in the postseason, but you know, he's, he's taken a big step this year. I think by going to a new team, he's obviously adopted a certain uh, aura with what he gets paid and the, the manner in which he arrived in Florida. And he's, he's leading that team right now uh, on the ice uh, outside of the crease. Okay. Let's hit up some of the other series before we get to stick taps. Uh, Carolina and uh, the New York Islanders, the Canes have a 2-0 series lead. I don't know if you got to catch uh, the ending of that game. It looked as if there was a missed high stick call, which led to the overtime winner. But also, I mean, uh, Lane Lambert was upset, the head coach of the Islanders, but Rod Brindamore also very upset. And now Tiro Teravainen uh, with an injury as well. A very interesting set of circumstances, uh, even though the Carolina Hurricanes have a 2-0 series lead heading to the island. Yeah, the temperature has been adjusted to high for that series after game two. You know, what I'll say generally, because officiating always is a huge point of topic at this time of year, is so we talk about how the game gets faster, gets more physical, the intensity, the pressure, the focus, everything is, is more difficult for the players. It is the same way for the, the referees and even the linesmen. It's, it's a tougher time of year for them to do their job. I think mistakes are going to be made. And, and then, unfortunately, there's just more focus on every play. I mean... If it was a Carolina, New York Islanders game on Tuesday in November, and there was a missed high stick before an overtime goal, I mean, it would get some small discussion, but you know, the life would move on. It would be maybe one of 12 games that night. And there'd just be like a lot, you know, the, the news cycle is what it is in the playoffs. Everything is under the microscope and, you know, Lane Lambert understandably was not happy post game. Um, you know, let's, let's see where this goes now with the going back to, to Carolina. I mean, or, or going up to long Island rather, but, um, you know, I think that that's, you know, the hurricanes have, have found their way through those games, but it, it's still a close series. It's nothing's over at, at this point Two two Oh, and that series doesn't feel totally secure. And I think, I think we're going to see a little bit more mayhem because, you know, clearly there's a dislike growing uh, between those teams. Also, uh, underrated quiet goalie story from that series, anti Ranta, uh, I believe getting the start in both of those games and winning. Carolina that's a guy who's been a backup for a while and has kind of been around different franchises but he has emerged as the as their guy through the first two games of that series good for him and Frederick Anderson note sick I think they said yeah. I yeah um, I mean, he's not he's not available for them I think Piotr Kochekov uh I remember seeing him on the bench uh backing up Ranta 
Uh, but yeah, it doesn't seem as if Freddie Anderson uh, is an immediate option for the Carolina Hurricanes right now. Yeah, I mean, that's tough. He was injured last year in the playoffs. And just, you know, Kuchetkov is probably their number two, not just because he's on the bench, but, you know, the, probably the way the pecking order is going, that's that's how Carolina would go. If they need to make a change, it's probably to the to the young Russian netminder. Exactly. Uh, let's get to Colorado and Seattle. The Seattle Kraken have a one nothing series lead on the Colorado Avalanche. It may be because they're a lot healthier than them right now. And one thing I picked up from the SDP episode uh, from yesterday, just, you know, I, I figure Colorado's talent could still outweigh Seattle, but that second line, that third line, which helped make them so good against other teams in the playoffs last year, very much lacking. Like, no disrespect to Lars Eller. No, he's a really good depth forward. Not the same uh, compared to what a guy like Nazem Kadri was able to bring in last year. Bumping up a guy like JT Comfer up to your second line uh, also brings about another set of circumstances. Like, it's a very different lineup that's still trying to push its way through uh, despite all the injuries, especially to guys like Gabe Landeskog. Yeah, the system is built against teams, right? That, that's why what the Lightning have done is so crazy because, you know, it's just hard to keep your depth. Like, like Colorado unmistakably got worse almost immediately after winning the Stanley Cup just because of the effects of the salary cap and what they were able to do there. They've tried to mitigate it. They made a couple deals. You know, on top of things, you know, the injury situation they're dealing with with Gabe Landeskog not playing all year is tough. You know, Kel McCarr comes back in the lineup, but you, you don't know at what percentage he's at. I mean, it's just it's really tough to string together great season after great season after great season as a team. And, and, you know, I'm, I'm certainly not pronouncing them uh, done by any stretch after one game, but you know, the Kraken should probably get more credit for what a pain in the ass they are to play against. Like those guys play hard. It's just like this line, this line, this line. And you know, the only question I had in that series when we did our predictions was the goaltending, you know, so far so good, but you know, I just wonder if Seattle's goalies will hold up, if this can be a Philip Grubauer revenge series or not. Um, but you know, that's uh, that's big for Seattle to go on the road and get a win in their first ever franchise playoff game. You, I, can, I can't wait actually to watch the scene at climate pledge arena in game three, when they get their yeah. first ever game there, because you know, at worst they're coming home with a split, right? So it'll be pretty jacked up. And you know, that would be a colossal upset if, if the avalanche went out in round one, but this is the Stanley cup playoffs. That kind of thing happens. I certainly didn't predict it. I'm not even calling it yet, but it's at least on the table based on what you saw in the opening game. Have you been to Climate Pledge Arena yet? No, it's the only NHL building I haven't been in. Really? I mean, wow. they came around in pandemic times, and then I didn't travel as much mm. this season. So I'll get there eventually. Obviously, I think they're going to have a draft coming up here soon, but um, I'll, I'll be there at some point. But yeah, it's the only one I haven't seen a game in. Yeah, I, I need to get there. There's like the, the, the playoffs, too. Just a small side note. Like, it's cool to see all the fans get all super excited and all the different uh, in the different places and all that. Like Seattle this has already been on my list of, of places I want to visit, but uh, Dallas watching that Dallas Minnesota game. I very much need to go to the American airlines center at some point next season. That, that just has to be mentioned. That, that seems like a really great bar. Yeah. It rocks in there. And I love, I love the, the, the metal or what's not Metallica. It's Pantera. Dallas stars. Dallas stars. It's just like, it's awesome there. And it's one of the few, I don't know if this is still the case, but when I was still traveling the league everywhere, it was one of the few places that they would bring beer into the press box after the game. So, okay. I remember I Calgary. Like more, we more, talked to it. Has that, but Calgary has that, uh, Montreal started doing that before I, I, I left. Um, I'm surprised Toronto doesn't do it. 
We don't even have coffee at the morning skates in Toronto, man. Oh, really? Jeez. Even in Calgary, we have that. I mean, I get it. There's a lot of us and whatever. I'm not really, I'm not complaining. This is the ultimate. I'm just happy to get in the building and get to do my job. But I'm just saying it's the, the little touches. And that's when you say de- covering a game in Dallas, I think of the Pantera song and I think of the beer in the press box. First world problems, baby. All right. Uh, two more to go. Uh, the Jets. Can they go up 2-0 on the Vegas Golden Knights? Our upset pick. Of the first round, the Winnipeg Jets on the Vegas Golden Knights. They looked really good in game one. Uh, Jack Eichel, if you believe in plus minus minus three in that game, uh, he did not. No, tough night for the Golden Knights. It's funny. I, the more I've seen other people's picks, which I hadn't as much when we recorded that show, it seems like the Jets were kind of a trendy pick. Maybe it wasn't even an upset pick in the end. It just felt that way because they were technically the eighth seed, Vegas, the, the top seed in the Western Conference, uh, kind of played out as I thought, and just in terms of, you know, Carter Hellbuck was great in the opening game. Still some questions about Laurent Brassois or anyone else. Vegas might choose to roll out there in their revolving crease that they've had this season. Um, yeah. I mean, that the jets have done all they had to do. Go get one win there. You know, going to be speaking of tough building. I've been to some playoff games in Winnipeg like that, that place really jumps. And obviously they were the first ones to do the whiteout way back in the day. I know lots of teams have adopted it, but, there's still the OG whiteout and, and uh, you know, I absolutely think the jets have the ability to get this thing done, but I also, I'm not, I, I believe I picked it in six or seven. I, I don't think, yeah. I don't think that it, they're just going to cruise there, but you know, good, good first foot forward for them. And I, and I think that's one of the ones that like the storylines heading in kind of, kind of came to be in, in game one. I, you know, it's going to be tough for Vegas to break down Hellebuck. Absolutely. I mean, entering that series, the uh, Jets had the better goaltender, and you could argue the talent could have be, could look a little better. I mean, there was a team that was among the best in the Western Conference, and there seems as if they're refining their game. Like, it may not – you're right. It may not be that big of a surprise if they find a way to knock off Vegas. But at the same time, we are only going off of one game in that Vegas, Vegas has a hell of a coach, too. Bruce Cassidy has had a lot of success. I expect him to find some adjustments and open some things up for his team. Last series, uh, the Devils and the Rangers. The Rangers looked really good in game one. The Devils, they still have that speed. Vitek Vanacek, I mean, he looked okay, but the power play was also not good for them either. Uh, let's 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 try to talk about that really quickly, too. Uh, a, a bit of a tough start for New Jersey. I should probably start getting a taste for relish based on game one because uh, it looked like I'm not looking too good. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not looking too good in our bet there, but, you know, let's... I'm willing to give the devils a pass. I mean, it's hard for me to take anything from that. If we're, we're going to analyze that game, we're going to talk about how that thing's going to be done in four, but I, I still think the devils are, are going to have another gear here as they, they play game two. They might've already played it by the time you're hearing this, this episode. Um, but yeah, that's, I was not feeling too good about that pick. Uh, I was only able to watch a bit of the first period before the game got going here in Toronto with the, with the game I was covering, but uh, didn't, didn't look good for the devs. Yeah. I, I think the devils will step up too. I, I don't see this being a situation where it'll be like Rangers in five or whatever. I think they still have the speed to hang. They just need to be a little bit better. And I think guys like Jack Hughes, you know, playing in those, in those, in those moments for the first time, they get a little bit wide eyed. They'll, they'll settle in as, as the games go on. I, I'm not celebrating yet, uh, but there is a Montreal puts in place around the corner from where I live. And I might have to visit it for the first time. If the Rangers find a way to muck it all up. <laughs> it's still early for the bet. I'm not chirping anymore. I've I've said my piece on this. Now it's the universe will decide who's eating which hot dog. 
And now it is on us to decide who is worthy of stick taps this week or cross check, uh, because today is uh, April 20th, which is the day that Elon Musk decided he was going to take away other people's check marks. I believe he's already started. As I'm recording right now, uh, I can't even hit the home button to go on my own profile. Thank you for building such a crappy app. Sorry, not building a crappy app because he technically didn't build it. But thank you for making Twitter such a crappy app and a crappy place to visit. And I don't care if this is me just being petty, just decided to make the end of this podcast once again about Elon Musk. He deserves a cross check. Wow, you went right at him. I'm going to give a stick Hell tap. Yeah. I'm going right back to Alex Lyon. I was worried maybe in the episode I was too hard on him. Uh, mm. That man deserves a, a, a total stick tap. Like, I love these stories. I love the playoffs. We're going to see players step up. Guys will play games. This might be the only handful of NHL games they ever get in some cases. And I, I love when someone steps up in that manner. So good on you, Alex Lyon, for going out there. And, and you know, I saw actually, Julian, I don't know if you watched a pregame show that, that Sportsnet was doing before game two. But they, they did that thing where they let the cameraman in the dressing room. And Alex Lyon looks right, right at the camera. And he's just like, hey, like, like he just looked as, <laughs> he looked as like loose as can be. Or, you know, it's usually those moments. It's like the players really focused and doing up his skates or fiddling with his equipment. And he was just like smiling with the big curly hair, just like, Hey, so, um, <laughs> good on him. I, I, uh, I, I, I'm not cheered for anyone, but I just, it's easy to cheer for an individual having that kind of breakthrough. Okay. You know what? I'll give a serious stick tap here. Uh, I'll give it to Morgan Barron who, uh, found a way to, oh, get man. to keep playing despite having 75 stitches in his face. Like what the hell? Like, I don't know if you saw the photos from Murad Atesh, who covers the Jets uh, for the Athletic. I took a photo of his helmet and the straps in the back, like they're covered in blood. Like, like, like that's that's insane what he was able to play through. I did a podcast after 13 stitches in my hand, and I thought I was a hero. So I, I don't even. There's no there's no explanation for like that's that's nuts. I just hope he's okay. I hope he's okay too. Uh, I hope you're doing okay amidst all of the madness covering this series as well uh you know just make sure you take care of yourself make sure you keep going on those runs take care of your mental health and uh just ensure that uh, you keep doing your thing yeah man everything's great heading down to tampa tomorrow that's where i'll be on monday when we do our next show so uh mm. i'm not complaining it's, it's somehow turned back to winter here in toronto in the last few days i don't even know what the hell's going on but I'm, I'm always happy to get to tampa and get in the nice weather have a little little humid run it'll be good uh there's a light snow shower happening outside my window as we speak so something is going on in this country. <laughs> I well, I'm getting out. I'm getting out of here. Yeah, lucky you. Uh, and uh, we should get out of here uh, for this Thursday edition. If you have questions for the Monday episode, get them in now. Whether on Twitter, whether on Discord, uh, we will try to get to as many as we can for our Monday edition. Subscribe to the podcast, however you consume the podcast. And uh, yeah, we'll be back on Monday with a brand new playoff edition of the CJ Show. For CJ, I'm Julian. So long and enjoy uh, games two or three or whichever games you get to when you listen to the podcast. What a beautiful ring. The Chris Johnston Show. Powered by Sports Interaction. Want to bet? Inside the game, twice a week. Follow Chris on Twitter at Reporter Chris. And follow Julian McKenzie at JK McKenzie. The Chris Johnston Show.